Uh, so it's wonderful to see all that God is doing in this congregation. It's, it's powerful to see uh, new faces, new people, uh, just God moving in this place. I'm so grateful, amen, for opportunity to be here and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hello, as well, amen. Matthew chapter 6. Understand uh, uh, pandemic. A pandemic simply defined is uh, an epidemic occurring on a scale that crosses international boundaries, usually affecting people on a worldwide scale. And we all, uh, in our lifetime, in our generations, uh, in our life, that we've had to deal with the issue of AIDS. We've had to deal with the issue of the flu and the bird flu and H1N1. Very recently, we know 2020 was a year of COVID, had to deal with that pandemic, people still being affected by that, churches affected, people's lives affected by these different pandemics. But there's another pandemic that has been going on for decades that has gone unnoticed or ignored. Amen. Show the video for you. Amen. <coughs> this morning, I want to look at this this morning out of Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 22. Read two verses of scripture familiar to all of us. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Therefore, the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness. Amen. Let us pray this morning. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord Jesus Christ, by your Holy Spirit. God, you know every single life, every soul that is seated here this morning. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would be the one to speak and minister unto hearts, unto lives, and unto souls. God, I ask, Lord, for your anointing, God, upon your word. I have no confidence in my flesh or ability. God, but I know you care about every soul that is here. Help us, God, to leave this place changed. We give this service into your hands, and we ask all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. The entertainment pandemic. I'm going to look first at the issue of amusement, the issue of amusement. I want to spend some time here. Speaking on some very basic, some practicalities this morning, entertainment this morning simply defined, it is the action of providing or being provided with amusement or enjoyment. The desire for entertainment is not a novelty. It is not something new. It is not something that has just been created. It's not something that has just happened, but it has been around for centuries. Entertainment began as simply storytelling. People telling stories, sharing one story with another. They would pass this on within families, within communities, within cities. Music began to infiltrate, and music has always been part of life. Drama and dance and plays and different kinds of performances have existed in all cultures, from royal courts to giant arenas to a circus tent. And the intended purpose for entertainment, it's for fun. 
Entertainment is for fun this morning for a few good laughs. And who doesn't like a few good laughs? Who doesn't appreciate just some moments of entertainment, some moments we can laugh and get our minds off of things? But over the years, entertainment has gone a long way beyond a simple sideshow or someone just juggling some bowling pins. Entertainment has become big business all over the world and particularly in our nation. Technological advancements of the 20th century, especially in the arena of mass media, has packaged entertainment not just to reach nations or not just to reach the masses, but now entertainment, what it has moved into is that entertainment has moved into the arena of the private world, the arena of the individual Only in recent years has entertainment become so readily accessible. There's no need to go to the arcade. How many of you remember arcades? No need to go to Blockbuster. Who was around when Blockbuster was around? No need to go to Blockbuster Video, go and renting things, uh, you know, uh, going to different places to purchase it, you know, internet cafes uh, where, you know, it wasn't in everybody's home. People would go to these cafes to use the internet because it was something uh, uh, not in everybody's household and so they would go to these places to use the internet but now entertainment uh, today and now entertainment is something that is found and is ready right in the palm of your hand by show of hands how many of you have a smartphone raise your hand you got a smartphone most most everybody in this place most of us if not all of us And this sermon this morning, it is not an attack on technology. I like technology. Technology is a great and wonderful thing. My sons always make fun of me. Dad, you're just old. You helped Noah build the ark. And, uh, you know, you were there. You don't understand communication. You think communication is smoke signals and, uh, you know, Morse code with your flashlight, you you know, communicating with your neighbors and so on and so forth. No, no, I'm not that old. We could all recognize the benefits of modern technology, the use of multimedia, the the ability to communicate and access information very easily with just a, a tap or a swipe of our finger that we have all of these tools available to us. But most people don't use their phones simply as a phone. Most people don't use their cell phones simply as a means of communication, of simply just calling someone else and just talking on the phone. Besides all the convenient tools that uh, our cell phones offer us, uh, we could use our calendars, we can schedule different events, uh, but most of the tools, again, that people provide, most people use their phones simply for the purpose of entertainment. There are various social media platforms, amen, that exist, music and video streaming apps and video games, et cetera, et cetera, all these things that we have readily, easily access to in the palm of our hands. And I understand that sometimes we need to take a break. How many of those times we need to take some breaks? An escape from the pressures of work. Sometimes you want to escape the pressures of job, chores. Some of you are in school. You're busy with schoolwork. You're studying this and that. And you need a break. Some of you need a break from them children. 
Come on, somebody. Them kids are whining and screaming. And I remember when my, my boys were really small, and they're, Mommy, Mommy. She's like, that's not my name. Stop calling me that. <laughs> and so, you know, I understand this need for a break sometimes from the regular things that happen in life. You know, let me just watch a few videos on YouTube. Let me just check out my social media feed. Let me just play a game. Let me just spend some time and maybe uh, people will watch something on Netflix. The issue is this morning that it's never just for a moment. It's never just, let me just do this for a moment. Let me just uh, uh, take a break from life. Let me take a break from my responsibilities and just spend a moment here. Amen. It, was, it, it always goes beyond that. How many of you have ever been stuck scrolling? Don't lie. You get stuck, people just swipe, swipe, swipe. I'm just gonna, or sometimes, you know, you get trapped in that, that YouTube rabbit hole. You know, it initially, it started with, uh, you know what, let me see, let me learn how to install cabinets. I'm just going to look it up. Uh, I need to learn how to change a light bulb in my car. I don't understand how this works. And you go to search that, and then you see, oh, what's that? Oh, and then next thing you know, you're, you're on there for an eternity, and you forgot the whole reason you're on there in the first place. Like, what was I doing? What was I supposed to be doing? How many of you been there before? How many of you remember when TV used to go off? Some of y'all old enough. TV used to go off. It used to go off. I remember uh, growing up. We're growing up. We're in our apartment there in Maryland, and uh, the TV. It's like, oh man, it's almost midnight. This is a. This is the. You know, we didn't have cable. We didn't have. We didn't have those privileges of cable. You know, we had the rabbit ears and the, with the foil wrapped up around the top. And, uh, you know, and so, and so, you know, TV would go off. So midnight TV would go off. Uh, you see, they play the national anthem and, and the eagle would fly across the screen and TV would go off and boop, TV done, over. Because they understood, hey, that's enough. They understood, hey, that's enough. We need you, America, to get up and go to work. We need your children to get up and go to school, be productive for the future. And so at midnight, every night, that would cut off. Continuous entertainment today has become a way of life. It's become a way that people live. It's become a way that people function. It's Facebook. It's the, the whole meta, the whole metaverse now. Uh, that they're trying to promote and trying to push meta. The word meta means the other side. It means beyond. I don't know if you guys saw that weird ad that they came out with uh, uh, for this whole metaverse thing. And so now this is idea. I'm going to live in this other world. I'm going to live in the metaverse, uh, this virtual reality, as opposed to the real universe. As opposed to living life in reality, as, as opposed to living life with real human beings, hey, we want to create this world or this place where it's all just strictly virtual. virtual. Remember seeing this picture of an artist, he had drew this man, he was uh, laying in bed, and this man was, uh, uh, he's on life support. And so it shows in the, in the depiction that this man's a battery life was running out on his phone and the man is reaching over to unplug his life support to plug his phone in to charge it. I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy the inventions that they've come out with nowadays. Now they have a gaming toilet. 
Like, you know, you know what, you did, you know what, the game, whatever it is you're entertaining yourself with, it is so important that I cannot get up and go use the restroom. I'm going to use the restroom and there's now advertised gaming toilet. That is insanity. The article says a 32-year-old man was found dead in an internet cafe in Taiwan after a marathon three days of gaming. Binge, the island's second death of an online gamer this year. So this individual sitting down, uh, playing these video games for hours and hours on end until uh, he uh, died right there, heart attack or whatever happened. It's happened to other individuals. But the worst part of this story is that police said the gamers inside the cafe uh, continued as if nothing was happening, even as they came into the room, were trying to revive this man. This man's body had been laying there for who knows how long. The other people in the, in the cafe, all their focus was upon whatever they're entertaining themselves with, uh, whatever they're watching, oblivious to life. Nothing else matters except what I'm focusing my attention on. People live distracted in this day and age. People live distracted from each other. People are disengaged with people they're even in the same room with. I remember me and my wife and I, we're going out for Valentine's Day and we're at a restaurant. We're there trying to have a good time. And these couples come in and they, one of them, they came in with balloons. It appeared it was a wedding anniversary. They're going to celebrate their wedding. I don't know how many years they've been married. They're sitting at a table across from us, a time where we could spend. Let's communicate. Let's share a meal together. Let's reminisce about our lives and our past. But no, each of them are sitting there, each of them on their cell phones. There's no communication. There's no talking. The gifts are sitting there. The food is on the table getting cold while they sit there and scroll on their phones. and say, this is where we've come. This is what has happened to our society. Parents don't parent their children. Amen. They don't discipline their children. Instead of speaking to them, correcting them, here, hold on to this phone or hold on to this screen. Let me entertain you. People can't even drive anymore. I remember just, I was standing, I forget where I was, I was able to look down at all the cars that were passing by. And every, almost every single car, someone's driving like this. Car accidents, uh, you know, is people not giving attention because I just have to be entertained. How many of you check your phone within the first 20 minutes of waking up? I ain't talking about checking the time. People, what, what, what did I receive? What messages have I received? People are checking their uh, social media accounts before they even wipe the crust out their eyes. Before they do anything, oh, this is more important, and especially before any spiritual disciplines, before I pray, before I contend, before I seek the Lord. For many people, this is the very, this is the first reaction. So what has happened is that people have become addicted to or developed the habit of having to be amused. Amusement this morning, the root word is to muse. Or musing, it means mental inspiration, creative influence, to stimulate thought. In other words, to muse this morning simply means to use your brain. To muse this morning simply means to think. So amusement means not to think, just simply entertain your brain. Are you following me this morning? Experts call it the buzzing brain. 
Attention atrophy. This is why there's an inability of people able to pay attention to anything. Difficulty for people even watching or listening or paying attention to a, a, a sermon. People don't like to read any longer. People find it very difficult to read. Why? Because their brains are out of shape. Right? Something's always entertaining you. Something's always flashing before you. And so something else is doing the thinking for you. So now when people try to read, you try to read your Bible and, and in seconds you're falling asleep. Why? Because your brain is out of shape. But you can, people go watch a video for hours on end and scroll and, and have lost the discipline of using their minds. You know, ADHD is a recent thing. This lack of attention span that people have, and it has to do with this culture. The Apostle Paul, it was sad, you know, even some churches have to become entertainers. People got to do backflips and shows, have all kind of props and different kind of lights and, and flashing lights because people can't sit there and just listen to the word of God. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that one of our strategies as believers to help us fight or help us against the enemy in spiritual warfare, is by what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Can I tell you something this morning? It is going to be very difficult for a believer... It's going to be very difficult for you to cast down arguments, the things that hell tries to assault your mind with and assault your life, or for you to be able to bring every thought into captivity when you spend most of your time not thinking. When you, people spend most of their time, amen, just entertaining themselves, then now they lack sometimes a mental discipline to cast down things that the enemy would put inside of your head. This is why the entertainment industry is such an easy and effective weapon of the enemy and uses against the world and even against the church. So we'll look secondly at windows to the soul. Verse 22 of our text says, the lamp of the body is the eye. In the Bible, lamps are a symbol of guidance. They are a symbol of direction. The guidance of a parent to their child is likened even unto a lamp. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. We understand also that God's word is compared to a lamp that gives guidance to walk through life and a guidance to lead us to him. Psalms 119 in verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus says in our text that the lamp or the guide or the one that gives us direction for the body of our soul of, of our very being is our eye. In other words, whatever you set your eyes upon. Whatever it is that you're looking at, whatever it is that you're giving your attention to, that's what you're going to eventually end up doing. That this is what guides us in life. Is the eye is the lamp of the body. What you look at, what you receive, the direction, your life, your marriage, your finances, your children, your church, your ministry is going to head in, is going to depend on what it is you tend, spend your time focusing on. It has to do with our vision. 
It has to do what you choose, amen, to look upon, what you choose to influence your life, what you choose to influence your soul. Let me ask you, what have you been looking at? What is it that you have been looking at? What is it you've been spending time entertaining yourself with? What have you been spending time giving your attention and your heart and your mind to? Satan knows what it says in James chapter 1, verse 14, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. Satan says, if I can get them to look, if I can get them to set their eyes on this, if I can get them to focus on this, if I can get them to put their vision and their attention, if I can get this to enter into the windows of their eyes, then I can influence them to do. It's Eve. He saw if I could get Eve to look at the fruit, if I could get her to put her eyes upon it, to let her be enticed, then I could entice her to do. It's Lot looking at the plains of Sodom. He sets his eyes upon Sodom. He eventually ended up living in Sodom and Gomorrah, destroying his, himself, destroying all that was going on there, even the corruption of his home. It's Potiphar's wife casting longing eyes upon Joseph. It's David looking at Bathsheba. It's like where you put your eyes, if you focus on these things, it is the vision that you have, and you're going to end up getting involved in things. Initially, you had no intention getting involved in. He knows that the lust of the eyes will stimulate the lust of your flesh. He knows that whatever you set your eyes on and once your flesh is stimulated, that beloved is going to cause you to react to the pride of life and begin to function in areas of your life God never intended for you. Places that the believer that God has called never to live their lives. But he understands if I can get them to look, if I can get things into the windows of their eyes, I can reach down into their souls and cause them to be lost. Again, in our text, verses 22 and 23, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. As believers, how many know we ought to be filled with light? As believers, we ought to be children of light. Jesus said in John chapter 9 and verse 5, I am the light of the world. Amen. That we are to be filled with Christ, our being, our makeup. We were in the world already filled with darkness, but we set our eyes upon Christ and something changed on the inside. That light began to shine, began to glow. It began to cause us to live our lives differently, to go in a different direction. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16 says you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven in other words if you are a christian this morning and everyone here, you are in the house of God. You are in a Christian church. And I would ask you, if you are a Christian, you would say, yes, I am a Christian. Then this light of Christ ought to be shining out of you in your conduct, in your speech, in the way that you think, in your vision, the way that you conduct yourself. Amen. That your life, beloved, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the believers. I have put my light in the earth. I have put my light inside of you so that when your light shines, it will 
help lead other people who live their lives in darkness, where we used to be, out in the world, on drugs, in the club, in immorality and ungodliness, that now this gospel is shining in me. It is shining in you that now I can shine my light, that those that are watching my life can see, man, there's something different about this person's life. There's something different about the way they conduct themselves, the way they live, the way they're a husband, the way they're a wife, the way that they discipline their children. There's something different. Why? Because there's a light shining out of us and they can come out of that dark place and begin to walk where we walk. But our text says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Satan wants nothing more than for people to remain in darkness. He wants nothing more for people to remain dark and for the light to go out in the heart of believers so you can't lead anybody else out of the dark. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, But even if our gospel is veiled or covered up, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. It has become so easy for the enemy to influence society in the day and age that we live in. It has become so easy for the, the world to be influenced and stimulated for this gospel of Jesus Christ, for this light not to shine because so many people are filling themselves with darkness by what they're letting into the windows of their very souls. Old illustration says television is an invention that permits you to, to be entertained in your living room by people you wouldn't have over your house for dinner. And so what has happened, this entertainment industry, again, this is beyond technology. This has to do with what the, what, what the industry, what is behind the scenes. The entertainment industry has become incredibly vile. It has become obscene. It has become blasphemous. It has become so explicit. Back in the day, they would just block out the simple things. Very basic things. Now, I mean, things are nasty now. Gross, disgusting. Music, just X-rated, disgusting. Yet people sit there and bob their heads to it. Believers. You used to have to go in the back of some video store to go see anything nasty. If you're going to go to the, you know, whatever's perverted that's out there, you could go out there and, you know, you know back when the, the video stores were around and you could, you know, all the regular movies out there. But if you wanted to see anything that was, a, a, you know, a age appropriate or whatever, uh, you know, that was beyond, you know, 18 and older, you had to go in some back room and back there in some weird place where all the weird people hung out and... Uh, be standing in there looking at all the movie covers and, uh, uh, and, and go back there and rent these things. But now it's, you can get it 24 hours a day. Right in your hand. No need to hide. No need to go anywhere else. Now in the privacy of your own home, in your closet, in your car, in your bathroom, wherever you are, uh, people just entertain themselves with filth. You know, you know, and now as you know, and the only warning anything, I, hey, are you 18 years or older? Yeah, a 12-year-old, yes, click. Yeah, I'm 18 years or older, sure, no problem. And even if you are 18 years old, there's some stuff you ought not to be looking at. 
So, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily have to do with pornography. Pornography is, 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 is tearing up people's lives. And it's not, it's not an out there problem. It's an in here problem. It's not something that the world is just doing, but this is an issue even within the walls of the house of God. But it's beyond just this issue, but much of the content on social media outlets, streaming services, and other entertainment platforms glorify and encourage unrighteousness. They encourage ungodly behavior, greed and covetousness, lust and immorality, vulgar. Many of them mock Christianity out open. They mock God. They make fun of God. They make fun of Christians and glorify this lifestyle. And yet believers will entertain themselves with these things. The entertainment industry has become Satan's pulpit on a global scale. Or he can preach his message. You don't have to go to some satanic place, some satanic building, go purposely go some satanic rituals. Say, says, I can get my message into them. I'm going to get it into the windows of their soul. I'm going to get this into their eyes and into their spirit. I'm going to entertain them into darkness. You know, Satan was in charge of worship in heaven. He knows all. He, the Bible says he's made up with, with pipes in him. That he understands worship, he understands the power of being able to sing and able to move people, the power of entertainment, the power of performance. He had the angels moving and swaying with the power of his ability, and he saw that he became, he became a, 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 a prideful within himself and said, you know what, if I can just, I can be like God and cause a third of the angels to follow him with this power. He saw the power of entertainment. But the Bible says he was cast down to the earth like lightning. Can I tell you, he's still behind the scenes. He is still in the entertainment business. He's still in the, in the arena, in functioning, in the arena of worship. And many people are giving themselves their attention to this and their money to this. Society has changed. It has changed dramatically. I never thought, I'd mentioned I got saved in 1999, just in the few years, how the culture of our world, the culture of marriages, the culture of children, our youth, the society, how it's degraded in immorality. What was once right is now wrong. Changing the definition of marriage, changing the definition of gender and the family structure. All of this is ministered and preached over the airwaves, over media, over these things. And what has happened, I go to my son's school and all the kids are believing that this God, that, that is gospel and that the gospel is a lie. That the truth, the truth that we preach what we speak in church and now, what once upon a time, this is the truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the salvation of souls, Jesus being God. Now that has become a fairy tale in the minds of the world. And now the perversion that is out there. Now that's gospel. That's truth. The lies become truth and the truth has become a lie. And the worst thing about all this is that it has affected the church. Over the years, I've seen a decline in spiritual righteousness. 
a decline in morality within the walls of the church, a place of fire, a place of zeal, a place of holiness. But yet I've seen such a decline spiritually. Our text in verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? In other words, what once was supposed to shine brightly, once was supposed to give off a guiding light, a light, amen, that shines powerfully, is no longer giving off the same light. It's gone dim and even dark in the lives of others. But how can a light become dark? Or how can light also be darkness? Everyone here knows that if you spend any amount of time in light, we've been there before, you're outside somewhere, it's a bright, shiny, sunny day, and you walk into a room where the lights are turned off, it's incredibly dark in there. It's really dark, and so what do you do? You try to find a source of light. You're, you're feeling around for a light switch, or you, you, or you go back to the place where, where you came up so you can see again. You walk back out into the light. It's also true that if you stay in the dark long enough, your eyes get adjusted. You get accustomed to the darkness. You're able to start making out shapes and begin to see things. And now, even though you're in a place that was dark, now you're able to move and function in that place. And the same is true spiritually. Because we walk and live in the light. We get saved. We answer an altar call. Say, yes, I want Jesus. God, fill me with yourself. Fill me with your light. And we walk in light. And we can see, man, that's darkness. That's perversion. And initially, the convictions, we would stay away from things. We would, we would abstain from things. Why? That is a place of darkness. And I'm walking and living in the light. So you would resist it. You would flee it. But if you spend any time embracing the dark, if you spend any time allowing darkness to get inside of you, after a while you start realizing how dark it really is. After a while you start functioning and living in a place of darkness, a place where once upon a time you would expel anything that was dark, anything that was perverse, anything that was ungodly. What happens in the life of believers in the day and age that we're living in, they are walking in darkness. They have embraced this these, these ideas, they've embraced this area of entertainment of, of the world inside of themselves, and now they're getting used to it. Things that, that once upon a time will convict them, things that once upon a time they would flee from, now they, they easily watch it with no problem. And believe that they're okay. Hey, I'm still functioning. I'm still in church. I'm still involved. I still show up to church. I'm still in ministry. I'm still in the house of God. And because of this, they, it's like the, the things that are in them, the things that happen up here are ignored. Because we're getting used to walking. The light has become dark. And people have disconnected themselves from the source of light. And have plugged themselves into darkness. A time where we would, we would charge ourselves, we'd plug ourselves into the Lord in, in prayer and contending for the word of God. God, fill me with righteousness. God, help me to live right. But nowadays, there's a darkness. 
standard of righteousness has diminished. Let me ask you, have you allowed the light in you to go dark? Have you allowed this fire, have you allowed that light that would shine and lead to heaven and lead others to Christ, that light that would shine and you could see that's wickedness, that's darkness, let me abstain. Have you allowed the light in you to go dark? Believers have become desensitized. Things that should be shocking, things that cause disgust or offensive, they're easily received. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 15 says, Where were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. The carnality has become an issue. Language and conduct. Again, I mentioned the issue of pornography. It's, it's, it's tearing up people's hearts. It's tearing up homes. It's tearing up lives. You know it's bad that the only thing nowadays that sets the church apart from the world is the fact that we go to church. It's no different in conduct. No different in the way we entertain ourselves. No different in the way people dress. No different in our homes. The only thing that says apart, hey, you know what, on Sundays I go to church. But the rest of the week, people live these lives that don't reflect Christ at all. Standards of convictions are convictions. The things that, that God put in us. That he saved us, and we would say, man, I will never do that. I used to live that way. I used to do those kind of things. And God saved me, and something in us said, I don't, I don't want that. But when the light in you goes dark, beloved, we begin to pick things back up. Darkness begins to fill us. There's a, a weight that is lost. The salt has lost its flavor. It's crippled the church, this addiction to entertainment. J. Oswald Sanders said, the mind is the battleground upon which every moral and spiritual battle is fought. People don't pray. How many love prayer? Prayer, prayer, prayer. You will only be as strong as your prayer life. If, you're, if you have a weak prayer life, then you will be a weak Christian. And what has happened, people spend so much time, hours on end, entertaining themselves, but can't spend 10 minutes in the prayer room. It's an inability to focus, an inability to concentrate upon God, upon souls, upon people, upon righteousness. Why? Because people have lost the ability. People don't pray. They don't contend. It's become punch the clock. I go in the prayer room. I'll pray. I'll say a few words. But there's no, there's, no, I, there's no trying to reach heaven. God, in my prayers, would touch your throne and bless your name. God, I'm lifting up needs and souls and people. Because something has gone dark. There are people that are upset that I'm preaching this. Because what has happened, the darkness wants you to defend it. 
hey, it's not that bad. I can handle it. It's okay. I, I can do this. I can live this way. And what has happened, what was once abhorred has become an idol. It's become something that you worship before. You give your time and your attention and your worship to something that belongs to God alone. We need God to help us. I want to close with turning the lights back on. There's a saying that a fish doesn't know that it's in water until you take it out. A fish lives its life. This is how it functions. It lives its life living in water. It doesn't realize it's in water until you take it out. The water. Like, oh, man. Some people have been living in the dark so long. They don't realize it. They need to step back into the light. This has to happen in our lives as believers. This has to happen as a church. <clears throat> the first step to be set free from bondage, any kind of bondage. The first step in being set free from any kind of addiction is to recognize and admit that you have a problem. Scripture says to examine ourselves. Paul said, he's examining yourselves. This is something we have to live our lives as Christians. It's a daily thing that we have to examine our lives. To examine our conduct, examine our speech, examine our day-to-day -day actions, examine our relationship with God, examine how much time do I spend with God, with my family, with my children, with my spouse. Examine this life. God, has the light in me gone dark? Am I the same believer I was a few years ago? Is there still a fire in me? Is there, is there still a love for God? Do I still worship the same? Or has something diminished? And to say, you know what? I realize I have a problem. I've been doing it for so long, and sometimes it's a gradual thing. It's not this immediate thing, but this, it's, it's gradual. And to realize, you know what? I'm not where I was. I'm not in a place where I should be. There's some very practical solutions that we can have and take. Some people need to on your phone, you could, you know, turn off, turn off some of those alerts and notifications. You know, it, it was funny that people become, they've turned into dogs. What I mean by that, you know, a dog whistles, and, you know, they turn right away. And then some people, their phone, bing, it's like, there's immediate re responses. Like you could be in the middle of a conversation, ding, oh. And, you know, and, and people just because some things that you just, you don't need to have it. But I'm, I'm talking about spiritual things, right? This is, this is for the benefit of your soul. For the benefit of your life and your relationship with God, the relationship you have in your homes, there's some things you just need to get rid of. There's some things you can't pray away. Oh, God, help me. God, set me free. God says, look, you need, to, you need to do something about it. Faith without works is dead. I can set you free, but you need to, you need to cut those things off. Limit yourself. You need to make room for Christ. A woman by the name of Heather Barron says, after a week of not using social media, I noticed that my productivity had increased. My time management improved and I was getting more done without any extra effort simply because I wasn't spending all that time online. I felt happier, less anxious. I didn't experience the fear of missing out on whatever was happening on my accounts. That fueled me to keep going to accomplish a third 
week away from my social media addiction. During the third week, I noticed that I felt more relaxed. I was getting more downtime because I was uh, being more productive. I felt less anxious about getting all the things done. I also noticed that I was spending more quality time with my family since I wasn't scrolling through one feed after another. Some of us need to do that. Some people need a break. You know, all through the Bible, there's a phrase that says, lift up your eyes. So lift up your eyes and, and, and set your eyes upon God. We lift up our eyes off of self, lift up our eyes and see the harvest field, lift up our eyes and see the blessing of God, lift up our eyes and see life. That sometimes even in this video that I showed, it's funny, this, that wasn't some believer. The people in the world have even noticed that the people are slaves, that there's something has changed in our culture. There's an addiction that is there and nobody says anything about it or against it. They simply, simply defend it. I have the right to do this, but in the middle of that, people are people's life, families. You're closer to your phone than you are to your spouse. Spend more time, more conversation. You call your phone baby. <laughs> Psalms 103, 101, verse 3. I'm closing. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. The one thing that we need to do as Christians, as believers, you need to set your will. In us, there's a desire. There are, we, are, we are sinners by nature. There are things in us that don't want to serve God. In, our, in what we are, our, our, our carnal nature is rebellious against God. You have to, there's, this is the, the, the narrow path that is difficult. You need to choose righteousness. It's not this automatic thing. As a believer, you have to set your will. I am not going to do this. You have to be determined. Every day you wake up, we renew our salvation daily. You wake up, you pray, God, today I'm going to live for you. I lived for you yesterday. Thank you, God. But today is another day. This is a, today's another battle with my flesh. Today's another battle with temptation. Today's another day I need to be a husband. Today's another day I need to be a father. I need to be a minister. Today's another day. I did those things yesterday. But today I set my will again this morning, God. Today let me live for you. I'll be righteous, God. God, you've saved me. You've saved my soul. You've redeemed me, God. Help me to serve you. I am closing it. I promise. Romans 13, 11 to 14. And do this knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, and not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. What incredible words in a statement. I mean, we're living in the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. There's no time to waste. While people waste away just in entertain, filling themselves, there, there, is a, there is a harvest of people. 
There are souls. There are still cities. There are still nations that need to hear the gospel. There are people in your family. There are things that you need to restore in your own homes. Again, our text, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. You have to change what you allow in here. You have to change it. I know you, you get used to it. You're, you're probably in the middle of a series right now. Like, I just want to know how it ends. <laughs> no, you don't. Change what you allow to influence your life. What you, you need to change what you allow to influence your soul. I think about my sons. I think about my family. I think about my church. God discipline, like these changes, these things, that I don't just do them for me. I want to be righteous for them. They, they're looking at my life. That what I do is going to, it's going to come out of me. It's going to affect the people that I serve and minister. One more scripture. We all know Philippians 4a. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Let the word be your lamp again. Let that light shine. Prayer life will change. Be effective. Your worship will change. The way that you live, there's a change, a powerful, that comes from in here. It's not this external thing, I got to be in church, and let me go to prayer, let me do these things, because it's just something other people are expecting us to do. Pastors expecting me to see me there and all this, but no, it'll come from in here. I want to be in church. I want to serve God. I want to live righteous. I want to be a good husband. I want to see people saved. It'll come from in here. It won't be some, this force. You're not fighting against darkness inside because all that is in you is light. Choose light this morning. Choose it. You can be brightened again. You can be set aflame and on fire for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's bow our hearts for the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed.